0: Today's episode of the Truth in This Art Beyond, and we're in Philadelphia. And I'm excited to welcome my next guest, an abstract artist who uses art to explore the nature of emotion and encourages viewers to perceive their own internal reality through the use of abstract paint scrapes, uh, line art, neurographic doodles, and Zentangle patterns. Please welcome Ayana Viviana. Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you so much. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you, you you didn't expect it to be that sparse, probably. <laughs> no, <laughs> it just goes right into. It. It's like That's oh, okay. did, it's like did he start? That's he okay. <laughs> he he did. So so you know again, welcome you to to the podcast and thank you for um, agreeing to do this. And be, before we get too deep into the conversation, where I start asking you all types of questions about you know your favorite color combinations and whether you like ice cream or not. Um, <laughs> I, I want you to share a bit of your story with us. And if you will, could you include some of your earliest memories with art and really what inspired you to explore the nation, the, the nature of emotion through abstract art?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So first, I want to say before I answer your question, Rob, thank you so much for having me. It really is an honor and a pleasure to be here um, and to be dialoguing with you. I okay. So a little bit about me. I am a Latina. <laughs> I'm so proud of like my cultural, my cultural um, background and my heritage, and it's a really um, important part of who I am. Um, some things that I think are important to know about me is like uh, a lot of my identities and. Um, who I am is, um, how can I express it? It's, it's based on or influenced by me becoming a teenage mother. And so that's a really big part of my story and who I am. Um, I am a mom and a wife and a bunch of other things. But beyond all of that, um, I'm just a creative being. And um, as far as my... Uh, earliest memories of art. I was eight years old. <laughs> That's my like earliest memory of me creating something artistic. And I remember um, there was this really huge, maybe like, I don't know, maybe like 16 inch uh, long, but maybe like 12 inches, like um, construction paper.
0: Yeah.
1: And I was in school and I had to write a story And I don't my mom had kept it, but I think she threw it away at some point. I wish I still had it. But um, it was a story that I was writing um, and writing has actually it it was kind of like my first love creatively and artistically. Um, (laughs) But that was the first time that I remember ever like doodling and drawing. And I did the illustrations for this little story. And I know there was a fox in the story. I don't remember all the details, Um, but that's my first memory uh, as an artist, as a like doing something creative. Interestingly enough, as a kid, I didn't have a television. So I was growing up in North Philly, no TV. Books were like the only source of entertainment I had outside of my very religious, strict like home and upbringing. Um, And it was it was an escape for me. So that's why words have always been like my love, my first love. (laughs) Uh, What was the second part of the question that you asked?
0: so in in the inspiration to like explore like the nature of emotion through through art let's just talk about that a little bit
1: mm. yeah of course So, okay so that's a good one because um like i mentioned uh, i've kind of always been um express i've always been a very expressive person through words and so writing at one point i remember wanting to write a book um and so writing was always kind of like my refuge and it was how i processed so much of the things that i experienced in my life and more recently and literally maybe since like this past summer summer of 2022 i realized that i needed something else because exploring my own emotions and processing in the way that i had been doing seemed to be less effective i don't know if it's a thing where you know i've been doing this for so long I, I i have journals from like back when i was a little little girl um and still journal you know very frequently to process a lot but i needed something else i needed like something else that allowed me to be a little bit more creative yeah. and i was like maybe i can try painting <laughs> and i fell in love and so that's where we are now
0: <laughs> nice i love that um I like being able to to tap back into stuff that I did when I was younger, and just I, th- I think I think it's important. And this is a question that's going to come up later, but I think it's important to explore and put a pin in that because we're coming back to that later. Um, okay. But yeah, I, um, I I do that when it comes to some of my creative stuff. You know, I wanted to be a comic book uh, uh, artist um, and writer, mm-hmm. and all of the things. There's a lot of work that goes into a comic right. book. <laughs> and as a kid, I was like, I'm going to do all of it because this is something that I like. Right. And uh, as I've gotten older, I've moved into writing for a period, writing short stories. And, you know, everyone have some high school story that they were a rapper or what have you. And uh, <laughs> and even, you know, diving into, uh, um, you know, drawing and, and doing comics in a different way. And that's come out of me doing this podcast um, or doing podcasting rather. For the last uh last 14 years i've been doing it for a while and just it's opened me up to be just i don't have to have one lane that i'm going into i can try to explore and convey different things different feelings different thoughts through that that medium so i wanted to revisit because i don't think that we i don't think that if we stop something for a period of time some of the the thinking and the ideas that go into it is still there. You, you don't really cut that part right. of yourself off. It's still there. You might just right. explore it differently.
1: <laughs> right. So. Yep. Absolutely. And you know, that's the thing. I think that there are some people who I, I can't generalize, but for mm-hmm. myself, I know that um, everything that I, that I go through and everything in that I process, I find some way to make it creative because that's, I feel like that's just the core of who I am besides all of the other titles I have and all the other things that I do. i yeah. I'm just a creative person. I see the world creatively. I want to express myself creatively and I'm constantly looking for creative ways that I can express something to help other people see things that might not be clear. If that makes sense. That's a big part yeah. of why I create, you know?
0: So thank you. And so, so, and going into it, can you discuss like a bit about your process uh, for creating your your work and like how you approach the idea of allowing each piece to um, have a potential like story or potential narrative connected to it? And um, talk talk about that a little bit. Your process,
1: of course. So okay. So first, I want to say that creating in the way that I am currently with mm-hmm. painting. Is very it's very new to me, and so there are a lot of ways that I'm still refining my style and my process. And because I am a naturally curious person, mm-hmm. um, if I get like a random idea, I'm like, oh, let me try that and see how it goes. And sometimes it creates magic, and other times it's like, mm, maybe we we'll just you know shelf that one. <laughs> um, and. And, you know, those things don't bother me because I am very much like just open to creating in whatever way and expressing. But I do think that I've kind of refined a bit of a process. And generally what I'm doing now is like I'll start with just lines. Um, I learned what neurographic art was, I think. In this past summer. And the idea just, it, it just would not leave me alone. Like it was in my brain and I was like, okay, maybe I just need to try it. Like I'm, I obviously can't stop thinking about this and I want to experience it for myself. Um, there is an artist on Instagram and I'm not sure how to pronounce her name. It's K.L.? Uh, I'm not exactly sure if I'm pronouncing it properly, but she is incredible and she's who I was introduced to neurographic art from. And so her concept was, you know, uh, how she explained it was, you know, you just kind of take paper or canvas or whatever medium you want and you just draw lines and you're just free flowing. You're allowing your brain Mm -hmm. to just kind of dump in that way. And um, I was going through like a really, personal, like heartbreaking time in my life. And um, I was like, I need to do this. I need to do this again, going back to the emotion. Like I just need to process this. And it just seemed really intriguing. So I gave it a try. And like I said, so my processes now start with canvas. Generally, I do sometimes do pieces on like acrylic paper, um, but I love the, I love paint so much that (laughs) I'm generally doing it on a canvas and it just starts with lines. And I I allow my brain to do what it does. I don't have a a rhyme or reason for how the lines are formed. But what's really interesting and what I started noticing once I, you know, began practicing it like regularly and consistently is that I could I could see things. And Mm -hmm. I was like, wait, this looks like a face and this looks like an afro and this looks like, you know, a fish and this looks like whatever it whatever it could be, you know. Um, And that's what's so fascinating to me about. The process is that I sometimes do have, you know, concrete ideas of what I want to create. um, But the lines always set me up. And funny enough, um, the first time I did a paint scrape, because I was like, I saw it and I was like, I want to try it. Um, I did like my outline, my neurographic lines, right? I did that on a canvas and I saw something. I was like, wait, this looks like a woman standing on top of a baby carriage. I can't, I can't paint scrape on this one so I started a whole second canvas to do my paint (laughs) scrape because I saw something in that first one that just would not allow me to like because you know when you paint scrape you kind of um you cover some of what you're scraping over and I didn't want to cover any of what I had seen um so that's kind of my process now like I'll do my lines and then I'll spend some time not too long maybe like five minutes um and just look at my canvas for a while and See what it's trying to tell me. And then based on what I see, I'll create a story around it. And a lot of the times those stories are very personal. They're interconnected. Like for example, the one that I saw with the woman standing on top of the baby carriage. I gifted that to my oldest daughter on her birthday, which was December twenty fourth. She was turning twenty one and um, you know, I had her two months after I turned 17. So it was almost symbolic of how her and I grew up together because yeah. I was still a baby when I had her. Um, so that's, why I was like, no, 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 I can't damage this one. And she was there actually when I was doing it, she didn't know it was for her, but, um, but yeah, that's, that's a little bit about my process.
0: <laughs> thank you for thank you for sharing that and, and walking us through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, folks process. And it, it made me think uh, a little bit, um, been working with this idea of if, so working out, right? Um, you know, you have to stretch, you have to get warmed up, and all of that stuff. or you can pull a muscle, or you know, the workout won't be right. as effective. <laughs> I, I think right. that there's a way to apply that sort of ideology to creation, to 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 painting, to to uh, getting into sort of that zone or what have you. Um, and and maybe there's a bit of that with sort of the uh, neurographic like doodles and, and coming up with the, the the lines or what have you, and coming up with some of the more preparation, more, uh, introductory stuff that you're, you're diving into. I know that to get my voice to sound like this and crisp, I, I might drink uh <laughs> tea or something just to kind of get things kind of like, right, kind of dialed in. And mm, I know musicians yeah. do scales and, you know, things right. of that nature. And I think it's something like worth really looking at. Cause you know, if you haven't touched something creatively for a while and then you just go into it, just dry and cold. It's like, no, nah, I don't know if this is going to be good. I don't know if this is going to be right. Right, right. But I think when people talk about that flow state, yeah,
1: yeah, really, I really, I can relate to that. I really, really appreciate that that thought process because I had never really thought of it that way before.
0: Flexing that creative muscle. Let's make it happen. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So, in in addition to the abstract practice, you're you're also a photographer. So, describe yeah, the importance yeah. <laughs> of like creative exploration because. I think it's not always a straight line. And as I touched on a little bit earlier, I thought I was gonna be an illustrator at one point, And now I'm <laughs> kind of in this radio media storytelling space. Hey,
1: don't give up on it, you can do both. You can do both for <laughs> This is true, this is true. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think, okay, so in photography, um, I think, okay, so a little backstory. I did this project in 2011, 2010 into 2011. And it was just called a photo a day with my iPhone. And back then it was what, like iPhone four, something like that. And I think that that's actually what birthed the love of photography in me. I had a, a homie who I uh, was doing the project and he was like, why don't you try it? Like you've taken some shots that are you know kind of impressive and think it would be good for you. And so I just started to do it. And what that did was it really made my mind um, look for significance stories and things around me that I could capture with just one shot. And um, if anybody goes on my Facebook page, they'll find them. Some of them, honestly, I'm not going to lie. They're kind of cringy to look back now. It's 2012 iPhone 4. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a little cringy to look back now, but looking at it, that was the birth of me seeing the world in a different way. And I think that that has benefited me in so many ways because I now, even you know, 11 years later, I'm still looking at the world differently because of that one year experience. And so for me, um, creativity is just like I said before, it's just such an integral part of who I am and how I see the world. And so in photography specifically, I'm looking for um, I used to hate like <laughs> taking photos of people. I just I was just interested in nature and um, architecture and, you know, like uh, just really. Um, Images that would kind of provoke you to think a little deeper, like you'd have to pause and look and be like, wait, what am I actually looking at? Um, And so I developed my eye in that way. But Mm -hmm. I went to a mission trip in Namibia in 2013, and it was life changing. I was I was a photographer for the mission team. And um I fell in love with photographing people. And then I came back to Philly, and I was like, "How can I carry this over? Like, I just I want to shoot people now." <laughs> <laughs> and I started working on a project called Humans of Philly. <clears throat> and oh, wow. the idea behind that was to was inspired by Humans of New York. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Brandon and his work. I've heard and, of him, yes. Um, yeah, he's incredible. And so it was inspired by that. But I. At that time, I was very much in like, I want to serve mindset. And what I did was I decided to go out and talk to homeless men and women in the city. And if they allowed me to, to capture their stories, um, their image, and then share their stories. And the idea behind that was really just, I want for people to look at these men and women differently and not through the lens of judgment. And if this changes one person's perception on what it means to be homeless and the circumstances that lead to this place, then it'll be worth it for me. Um, but yeah, photography is, it's, it's a passion, but I feel like it's, when it becomes like a business for me, Mm -hmm. it takes the fun out of it.
0: No, I totally (laughs) get that.
1: (laughs) But I hope, did I answer your question? I'm sorry. I I can
0: ramble sometimes. No, you're, you're good. You're good. Um, and you did. So yeah. Um, So I got, I got two more real questions, right. I want to hit you with, and again, thank you for, for indulging. Uh, so the, these questions that I have next are, here's the first one. Uh, how do you, how do you hope your, your art encourages the viewers to perceive their own internal reality and understand themselves more, more clearly. Um, and, and this comes from this idea. Uh, and I think you touched on a little bit earlier. Sometimes, being in conversation with other creatives or cre- people with a creative sensibility, or even people that kind of do similar things that you might might do, other artists for sake of argument, um, you, you get something out of it, whether it's something within the process, whether it's something on how one goes about thinking. And even people who listen to this who may not be artistically inclined are like, oh, maybe I can approach this in this way. And maybe I am more creative than I'm giving myself credit for. And it's something that happens there, something clicks. Talk about that and how like your art, you know, you hope your art encourages viewers to perceive their own reality and understand themselves more clearly.
1: Yeah, of course. So I think for me, art is very telling of who we are as people. And I say that because, I have been in rooms where I am looking at a piece of art, especially abstract art. I think it's very prominent in abstract art, but it's not limited to. um, But you look at something, right? You look at something someone's created and you start to, your mind begins to tell you stories about what you're seeing. I think, and this is just my personal opinion, that that is one of the beautiful things about art is that it allows you to tap deeper into your own self because when you're looking at it everything that we do everything we see everything we say is our own personal perception I'm sure you've seen people who look at one thing and see two very different things, right? There's artists who are actually like very skilled at creating pieces like that. And so I think that when I'm creating art, that's kind of what I hope for because my art is so abstract and there's no clear defined, this is this or this is that, although I do have some pieces that are clearly defined and you can see them. But they all start in that way. And and the ones that are clearly defined is because I saw something and I told myself a story about what I was seeing and then painted it or, you know, furthered the the piece in a way that made that more visible to the viewer, the person observing the piece. But the pieces that I don't do that for, that I don't make clear what they are, I feel like are opportunities for the viewer to or the observer to um, to create their own narrative and in that way kind of tap deeper into themselves and I say that because there's times where I'll be creating and like I'll hold up a piece and I see things in it and I'll I'll ask like my kids I'm like hey what do you guys see and I'll be like oh I see an elephant I'm like what like where show me Um, (laughs) or you know they'll just find things that I don't see and so that's always very cool to me to like know that everyone who's perceiving my art is seeing it from their own perspective. And so what they see, I can give it a story, I can, you know, give it a narrative and it'll make sense with what you're seeing. But I think I I like the idea of encouraging the person observing to create their own narrative so that they can dig deeper into themselves and maybe even understand themselves better. And I think that's what art really helps us to do is to see ourselves more clearly and to understand ourselves more clearly, whether we're creating or observing, it doesn't matter. Um, I think that's one of the most beautiful functions of art for me.
0: That's that's great. I I'm in agreement with you. Um, I think it it leads to discourse. I think at times um, discourse, conversation, and all of that stuff from a more abstract standpoint. And and I and I think that you know at times people like I I look at media sometimes, like in in more of the like film sense, right? Or even sometimes like Mm -hmm. albums. It's like, yeah, this is a concept album. I was like, I don't know if it is. I think you're calling it that, (laughs) but that's not what you made or that's not what you wrote as far as like a script goes or as far as a TV show goes and and things of the sort. And people try to do it retroactively because those are forms of media that are not intended to be abstract. You know, they're kind of like, that's there's a certain narrative that has to happen here. There are certain songs and all of that stuff. And when people kind of do something that's a little bit more abstract, there's, there's less funding. There's, it's more experimental in that, that sort of sense. And it's like, I'm making this because I want to see what, you know, the viewer thinks and what they're getting. Yeah, out of.
1: that's the listen, that's the most fun part for me as an artist is to hear other people tell me what they see. Like, I remember like one of the, actually the very first piece that I did in, in the way that I'm creating now, um, my brother-in-law, I posted it on Facebook like, hey guys, I created something look, <laughs> and my brother-in-law he was like, oh, like I kind of see a dis, like a disfigured heart in the center and um, I was like, wait, what? And then, so he showed me and I was like oh wow I see it now and that was just so it, it, that was the first moment I had of that like where I was like wow like other people are seeing things in this and it's kind of cool that now I can see it too whereas before I couldn't but yeah abstract art is so beautiful And that I mean like I said I think that that concept can be applied to all all sorts of art it doesn't have to be abstract I just I just think that abstract art allows the most freedom for it in my opinion
0: yeah, um, I, I have uh, at this point in my uh, what this is seven years ago at this point where I had this goal of trying to because I painted in the back in the in the past as well murals and things of that nature part of teams and so on when I was um like a like a kid and I wanted to tap back into that and as I said earlier you don't really cut cut off parts of your uh, creativity and right I. I'm looking at these paintings that I did and I, I have them in my, in my studio right now, like where I'm recording from. And there are seven nice. paintings in, in here and it's the wall that's facing me. So I can see them as I'm talking. And I think, yeah. you know, there was something intentional about me doing it that way. I'm, I'm realizing it. But as I look at it, I was like, there's definitely a conversation in each one of these that mm-hmm. can be had. I, I wouldn't say the only thing that I felt like I'm trying to do something abstract was this Aquarius painting that I, I did this in my in my bathroom that I really like. Um, mm. I think I think in that year. <laughs> wow. I think in that year, uh, <laughs> I think I did 10 paintings um, oh, and just wow. trying to get back into it and trying to dive into it. And it was very interesting for me at the time. But once it became and I think you were touching on this when it came to photography. once it became it's like now this isn't as much fun it's more like it's a deadline and it's I don't know it feels Mm -hmm. more like like work (laughs) and you know the podcast that can turn into that as well but it's different somehow like I wouldn't say I was good and competent at it it was something I was very interested and passionate about exploring and I'm getting the itch to return to it but as I look at it I do
1: it (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, i mean <laughs> there's it. one that i'm that's looking it. at i'm always going to encourage people to go for it do it <laughs> that's, that's a great quality um i'm looking at one right now i remember one of my friends saw it and i just was, just have it in my old studio i had a studio apartment and mm-hmm. i remember she came by and she was like she's like is that a birth canal is that is that money on this picture What what is this <laughs> painting about and i was like nah what it is is she was like that she was like i have a degree in this area that is exactly what that is what are you what what is this what's the message here i was like i don't know man i think it's upside down (laughs) (laughs) but literally it's a conversation i wasn't expecting to have
1: right right oh gosh (laughs) uh yeah
0: yeah no
1: but that's cool you know that again that just goes to show like you know everyone everyone has their own interpretation and i think conversations about art are, are really powerful because it's a Art is a great connector. You know what I mean. Like you can, I'm I'm very introverted and kind of I'm a little in social settings. I'm a little awkward, and it's okay. Like I I've kind of I've accepted that about myself, and I'm not trying to actively change it. I I can be charming and charismatic when I need to, but it just pulls a lot of energy for me. So usually after a social event, I need like two, three days to recover, you know? And to kind of be alone.
0: (laughs) You're you're speaking to the Um, choir now, sister. Uh I'm saying (laughs) it's like, man, it's dopamine A lot
1: of (laughs) creatives are like that. You know what I mean? And so um yeah, I just I just feel like um in in this season of my life I'm trying to be open to those things and I'm trying to um explore them and not put myself in a box in that sense where, you know, I, I know in order to just get my art out there a little more. I'm gonna have to do things that might make me a little uncomfortable, yeah. and my brain kind of lost track of what I was originally gonna say. So we'll just keep it moving along.
0: <laughs> no, 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 no. I, see, I, I actually have something for that. Um, I I've been doing this thing I've been calling an overriding. I've I've mm-hmm. been overriding any of those things. Like in towards the end of 2022, like that last three to four month thing, including Rec Philly, including doing these sort of. Um, more public speaking and more moderating uh, sort of things um, and reaching out and having conversations with funders. It's really like, yo, I'm showing you my work and taking whatever comes with it and being pr- very protective of what I'm doing and being very nervous about getting in front of people and really like, yeah, I'm worthwhile and worth your time and attention and so on. And, you know, it is something very, very scary about doing that and um, yeah. and very humbling, but also at the same time, you know people in my ear I, I always distrust people you know which is mm-hmm. a, a thing i'm trying to get out of when it comes to something that i'm doing it's like i feel how i right. feel about what i'm doing but uh when someone's telling no you're great you're, you're doing good work we like what you're doing and so on it's like that's great to hear but also in the back of my head it's like i'm still trying to figure it out i'm still chasing something i'm still uh, curious about yeah. it
1: Yeah. do you feel like you like you deal with like imposter syndrome sometimes in that sense
0: a, a Is that little, kind of what it feels like? A little bit because uh and I had this conversation uh, recently with um an arts journalist. And I was like, Yeah, I'm not really of the arts community. And he was like, uh, you are. Um and he he just kept reminding me. He's like, <laughs> he's like you are though. And I was like, All right, then you're you're yeah. right, bro. You're right. And yeah, and I and I think people who see it, they'll they'll of course correct you quickly. And it has to come it's coming from a position of love and to the overriding thing. I am looking at like, what am I doing? What's my purpose here? So if it's getting on stage right. and doing something that's very uncomfortable because I'm shy and all of that stuff, it's just like I can fake this for probably 40 minutes. I know when that timer goes off. <laughs> you
1: know what I mean? Right. You know, internally, like, all right, I got to dip. It's time to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, but yeah,
1: that's a good thing to know, like, what your limit is. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: <laughs> so that brings me to this penultimate question. I know I said it was two left earlier, but now it's one more after this. So it's, here's here's one. All right. And, and, I, and I think... It's it's this it's this interesting spot that we're in where we're in this sort of uh, social media digital age, and we're told mm-hmm. to be consistent and all of that stuff. But I, I I think I think there's a different conversation or a different way of looking at it when it comes to being consistent in creating content versus creating art. And we're creating art. We're not just creating content. It can be confused as that. Content can be a part of it, but we're, we're creating right. art. So. From from your standpoint, how can you like, you know, for the, the listeners out there, many of which are creatives, uh, artists, entrepreneurs, things of the sort, uh, could you share a tip for how staying, you know, you, for, for staying consistent in your creative practice, as far as like, what's your sort of cadence on working on, um you know, your work? Um, what is your cadence on social media, things of that nature? Like, how are you being consistent in the flow of your work?
1: So that's a really great question. I think that what 2022 taught me um, was to take things one day at a time, but to take it a step further, um, what it taught me is that if I put forth effort and energy into what I'm passionate about and what I'm creating in my art every day, even, you know, obviously there there are days where I sit down and I'll paint for like six to 10 hours. But then there's days where I sit down in front of the TV with my husband while I'm watching a show because I need to be able to balance that and spend time with him. But I have my like doodle pad in front of me and I'm still creating art, but I'm also just present with him. And so that might just be like an hour that I have, you know, my, my pad out or I'm not really a big TV person. So I kind of, I do tend to like limit myself on how much television I watch. But, um, but yeah, I think that for me the biggest tip is like one day at a time and do something every single day that furthers whatever it is that you're looking to create so if you're writing a novel then you know maybe maybe one day you write three chapters and maybe the next day you only write two sentences but yes. the goal the goal is to get to that finish line and so every step that you take towards that finish line is going to get you closer to your end goal and uh, because 2022 was a really emotionally like challenging year for me um from be- literally from beginning to end um the year was just filled with a lot a lot a lot a lot and um i generally pick a word for the year like a year a word that i want to represent whatever that year is to me so i words i've picked in the past are like you know um trust or serve or courage you know just things that yeah. i know i need to grow in um for 2022 i was in such a negative headspace, like in January, that I couldn't even think of a word. And so instead, I adapted the motto one day at a time. And that's literally how I lived out all of 2022. And um, And that's, you know, at the end of the year, I realized, like, especially once I started creating, because once I started painting in like September, I started painting consistently. I gave neurographic art a try in like June, July, end of June, beginning of July. And I think I made like one or two pieces. But then in the beginning of September, when like some really personal stuff hit me, I was like, I need this. And I started creating every day. And I honestly believe that art helped to save my life because I was just in a very bad space and having art as an outlet was life-saving for me. Um, So my tip to people who are creative, to people who are listening to the podcast is just to consistently every single day do something that is going to push you closer to your end goal. It doesn't have to be massive. You know your limits. You know what you're capable of. You also know when you're lying to yourself (laughs) and when you're trying to, you know what I mean? Like kind of. Cheat yourself.
0: So yeah. no, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Yeah, don't do that. No,
1: no. Do I that. appreciate
0: that. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate that. And um, yeah, I relate to that. I felt that, you know. Um, so this is this one is kind of like almost a this is the last real question. It's almost a a precursor, the trailer, if you will, to the rapid fire questions. Uh okay. <laughs> since 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 you're a Philly Girl, this is a you know Philadelphia related sort of series I'm doing here. From your standpoint, Mm -hmm. how does Philadelphia grow, like as a community, get bigger, more resources, attract more people, all of that good stuff, however you might define it? While, you know, how does it grow while keeping this cultural, cultural identity?
1: That's a great question. I feel like Philly needs more, um, like more people who are actively involved in their communities to um, I think for me, um, I think children are such a big part. You know, children are our future, right? Not to get all Winnie Houston on you, but children are our future. Children are our future, and so I think in a city like Philly, where you see so much violence and crime and murder, it can be very disheartening to. Be hopeful and that's something that i've actually been struggling with in terms of like how i view the city and even having conversations with my family like do we actually want to be here because I, i'm like i've been in philly for most of my life i wasn't born in philly though i'm from houston i was born in houston so for me it's like let me just you know try to go back home or something and, and see if i can build a life there but i think that what is going what it's going to take is um just more people being active in their communities more people offering their wisdoms. Um, We all have something to give the world, all of us. And I don't care if it's in a creative way, in an educational way, in a mentor way, like there's always something that we have that we can serve the world with. And so for me, um, to answer that question, I think that whatever it is that you have that is meant to serve the world, whatever your purpose is, find a way to give that away for free. Like, you know, I would love, for example, to do a class with young kids with just, you know, canvases and paint and like, let's just have fun because even that in Philly, you see like, a lot of like the art programs have been like, you know, defunded. And so in schools, you don't have as much, unless you go to like a, a creative art school, you don't have access to those things. And because art is such a wonderful way for us to express who we are and to discover who we are, I think exposing children, especially in like, you know, the inner city and like communities where in, in the homes, parents might not be able to offer those Things to their children, or even know or feel like, oh, this is something I can teach my kids. Um, for there to be people who are willing to stand up, and for there to be more of a, like we're a tribe. We, you know, you think you you hear the, the quote like it takes a village, right? And I think about that a lot because it really does. Like there's so much that we could give to the people around us, even if it's not on a grand scale. You don't have to go to like a school or a rec center, like just do it for kids on your block. You know what I mean? Like get a couple kids that you see, you know, maybe getting into trouble and invite them in your home and be like, hey, y'all want to create something and have a conversation with them. Um, I think that those are some of the things that, in my opinion, are going to um, just get Philly to to a better place because what's going to happen if you don't have that is these kids who are growing up are just going to be so greatly influenced by social media by the violence by the crime by all the negative you know headlines in the news and that's going to become their reality and our internal reality is so much more important than our external reality so if we have someone who can guide us in the right direction internally then we can create change externally.
0: Well said. So thank you. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah,
1: of course.
0: So now it's that time. It's that time for the rapid, rapid fire uh, portion of the <sighs> okay. of the podcast. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. It's going to be so. All right, all, right. <laughs> all right. So just the way rapid fire works. Don't overthink okay. them. they there. I right. got five. I got five questions for you. Um, okay they're all over the place they may have to do what you work they may not have to do with your work um okay and yeah that's that's pretty much it all right let's get it <laughs> so here's the first one coffee or tea
1: coffee a hundred percent all day every day
0: all right i'm getting I'm getting it and getting bilingual vibes what is the most <laughs> powerful word in your vocabulary whether it be uh, English Hispanic, or what have you what is the most powerful word in your vocabulary
1: Powerful is hard, but I'm going to say my favorite word in English is soliloquy. Like, doesn't that just sound like music? Soliloquy. Soliloquy. It sounds like music. Soliloquy. I love okay. it.
0: Favorite color combination?
1: Pink, black, and
0: white. Just good and plenty, I like see. Like a blush huh?
1: pink. A blush, yeah. Well, no, not like that. That's like a fuchsia pink, like a blush pink, a pretty soft feminine pink. Okay.
0: I mean, I feel like I may have worn a suit like that to prom maybe to have that had like that sort of color flush.
1: <laughs> maybe.
0: With the ruffled shirt, you know? Shirt. I don't know.
1: <laughs>
0: I may have had my hair slick back a little bit when I was oh telling you about my, my previous life when I had some honorary, <laughs> I had some uh, Latinx honorarium work going on. Um
1: I was gonna say, yeah. <laughs> that sounds real Latin.
0: <laughs> uh let's see. Um what was the last thing? I know you said you're not a big TV watcher, so we can we can swap it, but what was the last thing that you watched on TV?
1: The last thing that I watched on TV. All right, don't judge me for this. Please do not judge me for this. Um, My guilty pleasure is Married at First Sight, and there's a new season out, and I just watched the first episode last night.
0: Okay. Don't don't judge me. I'm not judging. I'm not judging. I mean, (laughs) I'm over here. what it is,
1: you know? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I, got, I got some suggestions. One of the things that I've been able to do and uh, doing this Philly series is to be to connect with people who just, you know, it's a different environment. You know, I'm based in Baltimore mm-hmm. and I got some suggestions on things to watch. So now I'm doing a sort of deep dive into like old Japanese cinema from the 40s through 80s. And I was like, this is great.
1: You know what I saw recently? One more, really Please. quick. I saw yep. Avatar, the movie. And I'm not really a big TV or like movie person, but that movie was art. And I was like, oh my this is so beautiful anyway the way of water right yeah that one yes oh my gosh it was so
0: good all right this is this one is the controversial one um okay this is the one that that terrifies people because you know we we don't like our secrets out there we don't want our secrets out there all right Mm. what is a weird food combination that you just love and i wrote an exclamation point behind love but what is a weird food combination that you love
1: um Hmm. Well, my favorite food is octopus. So I feel like just by itself, that's a little bit weird. Foodful, yeah. <laughs> pupo, yes. I love ensalada de pupo. <laughs> and nobody makes it like my mom. Like, I've gone to so many restaurants. tried it. Nope, nope. Ensalada de pupo is my favorite. But when I tell people that I love octopus and it's my favorite food, they'll be like, what? Like, what is wrong with you? Listen, don't knock it till you try it. It's delicious. But when I was pregnant, I used to eat like... Typical pregnant people stuff like pickles and ice cream and French fries and ice cream, non-pregnant p- French fries and ice cream are good, but yeah, <laughs> that wasn't bad.
0: You're the one that teed it up. You did what you're the one that teed it up. So now you got a sixth one. What is your favorite flavor <laughs> of ice cream? Um,
1: It's a toss up between mint chocolate chip and cookies and cream.
0: Okay. Okay. I, yeah. I, I have a, um, I have a now almost thirty year rivalry with mint chocolate chip. So cookies and cream, sure. Absolutely.
1: Rivalry? What what do you mean?
0: <laughs> it just it's an imposter. It's an imposter ice cream when I was a kid. Uh <laughs> I was like, what is what is this nonsense? I was like, I was caught on the green. I was like, this is unique. This looks like a tuxedo I'm gonna wear in the future with my hair slick back. Okay, but
1: what about uh, the white one? Like the green is just food coloring, but like you can get mint chocolate chip without the food coloring it's nah, delicious it's an, it's an you impossible. ever had like the mint the peppermint swirl like milkshake from chick-fil-a
0: no i have not I, i'm very i'm very bland i'm very bland in that regard i have i have on in other areas but i'm one. very i'm very bland when it comes to my
1: <laughs> to food
0: <laughs> i mean i like vanilla yeah, milkshakes like
1: my husband yeah that sounds just like my
0: <laughs> but in terms of ice cream though it's butter pecan butter pecan is, is my jam
1: that's my mom's favorite. I do. I have a healthy appreciation for butter pecan.
0: Yeah, I mean, I just got mm-hmm. pulled onto it because of um, you know uh, the Wu Tang Clan and you know the song ice cream. Yeah.
1: Right. Never heard it.
0: <laughs> they they had the line butter pecan Puerto Ricans. It's 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 very good. It's a very good line. Uh, I have uh, heard that. <laughs> <laughs> so, goodness, <that's> so, funny. <laughs> so with that, um, I want to thank you again for coming on to this podcast and then the. Um,
1: thank the, you for having me.
0: Absolutely. And in the final moments here, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the folks where they can uh, check you out, check out your work, social media, website, all that good stuff. The floor is yours.
1: Oh, well, thank you. OK, so on Instagram, I'm Ayana Viviana and. It's A-Y-I-A-N-A-V-I-V-I-A-N-A because <laughs> um, most of the times people do not sell money properly. But then um, on there, you can like click the link in my bio. There are links to like upcoming you know shows that I have going on and um, my website where you can view and purchase work um, like my artwork. And then if I mean, I know Facebook is a little like archaic, but um, on Facebook, I am Ayana Porter and I am open and welcome any followers or conversations. I love meeting people. Um, I feel like meeting people online is a little easier than meeting people in person, but I'm open to both. So please follow me, check me out, connect with me. And, um, you know, hopefully we can have some fun conversations.
0: Well, there you have it, folks. I want to again, thank Ayana Viviana for coming onto the podcast and chopping it up with me. And I'm Rob Lee saying it There's art, culture, community, feelings in and around your city. You've just got to look for them.